y'all may remember, if y'all were here last week at the uh, end of our time together, I told you that over the next several weeks, probably over the next several months, that I really wanted to embark on a, an in-depth look at what it looks like to be completely Jesus-centered, to be Jesus-centered as individuals, to be Jesus-centered as local churches. We've talked a lot about discipleship uh, since my time here at Bemis. Discipleship is what? Following Jesus, becoming like Jesus. I'd go so far to say that it was it, it discipleship, following Christ is, is, has been our primary theme for the last couple of years. But um, understand this, church, we've only skimmed the surface here. We've only just barely, barely touched the surface in, in talking about discipleship and what it means to follow Christ. You know, I hope that by now everybody who's, 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 who is a regular participant here at Bemis, um, I hope by now all of you guys have realized that to call ourselves Christians is much more than just being saved. It's about complete allegiance. And I've gotten to where I really love that word lately, allegiance. It's about complete allegiance to Jesus Christ above all things. All things. It is a complete shift of in consciousness away from self-seeking, self-serving, and towards being transformed into the image and the mind of Jesus Christ. Christianity is a lifestyle of learning. It's a lifestyle of embracing. It's a lifestyle of carrying out the commandments of Christ in our relationship with God, in our relationship with other people, in the way that we think, in the way that we speak, in the way that we act. And to be a Christian, to be an authentic follower, to have full allegiance to Jesus Christ is the most countercultural thing that you could possibly be in every sense of that phrase. There is no culture that I'm aware of now or has there ever been that is fully in line with Christ Jesus, King Jesus. It is the most countercultural thing that we can be. It's the most countercultural thing that we can become. Jesus preached a radical lifestyle. And I think I used that word, maybe, maybe it was in Bible study, it may have been here, but Jesus preached a radical lifestyle, church, that can change us. It has the power to change individuals. It has the power to infect families and infect entire communities. So that's what I want to talk about in the coming weeks. Again, we've scratched the surface in these, in, these la in these first couple of years. I want to get really into it. I want to dive deep into it. We're probably going to talk a good bit about the Sermon on the Mount at some point, but, but I want to start um, in, another, in another space. I want to get us a little bit of a foundation before we start getting into that. Um, the first thing I want to hit on is something that we actually did cover in our Bible study recently, uh, probably a couple times, and that is how do we approach Scripture? Approaching Scripture first and foremost, and I hope some of y'all remember this, approaching Scripture first and foremost through the lens and the person of Jesus Christ. For some of you, this may be a completely different way of reading Scripture, and that's, and that's okay. But here's the thing, church. God always looks like Jesus. God always looks like Jesus, and all Scripture is properly read and understood through him. Take a look at this piece, this piece of scripture real quick out of the book of Colossians. This has become one of my favorites over the years because it speaks volumes in such a small amount of space, but it's Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20. Colossians 1, 15 through 20, starting at 15. And really, 15 is all we need for today's purposes. 
be honest with you. But I'll, but I'll, but I'll give you the full. I'll give you the full thing. And you can see that I've highlighted and I've, and I've italicized this. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. If you don't memorize, I want you to memorize that scripture and remember that. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the first overall creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all, this, all his fullness dwell in him. There's another great part. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's the word of God for the people of God. What does all that mean? This particularly this thing about the Son being the image of the invisible God and also that, that other one. Go back. <clears throat> that other one that I pointed out to you. Go back to the other slide, please. God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell into him. What's, what's the whole point of that? What does that mean? It means that Jesus and God are one in the same. And I've talked about this before, but I don't think that I can talk about it enough, but particularly when we start talking about approaching Scripture and how we read Scripture, how we interpret Scripture. You cannot separate God from Jesus Christ. You cannot separate their character. You cannot separate their overall essence. It means that they think the same. They relate to us the same. If Jesus' ultimate character, and I'm talking ultimate character now, I'm not talking about little, I'm not talking about characteristics necessarily. I'm talking about their ultimate essence, ultimate character. If Jesus' ultimate character is love, mercy, and grace, God's ultimate character cannot be in conflict with that. Y'all get me? Y'all following me? You can't separate them. If Jesus' ultimate character is love, mercy, and grace, God's character cannot be in conflict with that. It cannot be the opposite. Everything, absolutely everything that we know about Jesus is representative of the nature and the character of God. I need to repeat that. Everything that we know about Jesus is representative of the nature and character of the Father. Period. Jesus is not God's good side. Jesus is not God's nice side. Jesus is God, fully embodied, who literally came to earth, among other reasons, to show us exactly who God is and what God is like. People back then, people in the time of Jesus' appearance on earth, prior to that, since that, today, people love to make God into their own image. They did it back then just as much as we do it today. People love to make God into their own image. But Jesus gives us the final and the definitive understanding and the knowledge of what our Creator is made of, who He is, always. Let me expand a little bit or expound a little bit. This might be uncomfortable for some folks, but that's okay. It's stuff we now we got to talk about. Let me expound a little bit on what what I mean when I when I say that we have a tendency to create God in our own image. Because herein lies the problem. 
herein lies the problem when we approach Scripture a lot of times and the bad interpretations that we have in, uh, in regard to Scripture and the bad applications that we have, the way that we live Scripture out because we think it says something that it doesn't really say, basically. But here's the problem about creating God in our own image. Here's what happens in many cases throughout the world. This, you know, this, is, this has been, a, this has been you know, consistent always. It's always been. Um, many Christians, when they talk about God, is not a God who looks entirely like Jesus. The God that I was brought up with did not look like Jesus. And I don't mind telling y'all that. I don't mind going back to those pastors and those preachers that I had back then and telling them that either. The God that I was taught looked nothing like Jesus. They look a little bit like Jesus. Plus a whole lot, a whole load of our cultural ideas about God. We are influenced so much by culture, folks. And, and, and I'm not talking about those other cultures we don't like. I'm talking about our culture, which, 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 which encompasses so much. It's the people that we hang around. It's the region of the world that we live in. It's all, it's, it, it, it's all of these things that come together to form us. We've talked about being formed and how we're formed internally before. So many people have this image of God who looks a little bit like Jesus, but mostly, or at least to some degree, is also more informed by culture than actually the essence and the character of God, the, actual, the essence and the character of Jesus. People can find all kinds of random Bible verses to support these kind of ideas. For example, for example, while Jesus clearly, clearly, no questions, no ifs, ands, or buts around this, although Jesus clearly repudiates violence and he encourages love even in the midst of suffering, pretty sure we talked about persevering through suffering pretty recently. A lot of people embrace a more violent warrior type God who also just happens to be on our side, on whoever's side, in whatever culture war we happen to be fighting at the time. They thrive on an us versus them mentality and they believe again wholeheartedly they can point to the Bible to back them up. Here's another couple examples. Some of us, don't worry, I got none of you specifically in mind. <laughs> this is a generalization. Some of us are completely okay living in our consumerist and materialistic lives, our consumerist and our materialistic culture. America thrives on being a consumerist culture. More, 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 more. We can't get enough. A lot of us have no problem with that. A lot of Christians have no problem with that. We couldn't care less, however, about the poor and the disadvantaged. We couldn't care less, however, about the racial, the social, the economic injustices that are going on all around us. After all, and we've talked about this before, after all, we've been taught that salvation is all about me, right? We've been taught that salvation is all about me anyway. It's an individual issue, correct? Absolutely not. For others, and this is a big one, the Bible is a treasure trove of cherry-picked verses that we use to support our preferred political and our preferred theological opinions. What happens with that very often is we wind, is we wind up participating in verbal and nonverbal abuse towards those who have differing opinions than us. 
All of these are very clearly and very wrong issues and very wrong ideas. Yet we claim we can back them up by selectively choosing Scripture. But there's a problem with that. Y'all guess what it is? Don't look like Jesus. Doesn't look like Jesus. Guess what? Therefore, they don't look like God. Approaching Scripture through the lens of Jesus Christ, through the lens of God, completely changes everything. It forces us out of our cultural zone, out of our comfort zones, and it forces us away from our preconceived ideas, our culturally influenced ideas about God and about the Christian life. Authentic allegiance to Jesus Christ, authentic, real Christian culture is going to look like nothing that we're exposed to, not on the whole. No other culture is, it can possibly coincide with these things. That's why I have such a, that's why, that, that's why y'all don't hear me talking about partisan politics a lot. Not, not, not a lot. I'll, I'll never talk about partisan politics in the pulpit period, but that's why you hear me don't talk, don't, not talking about this stuff, because it is such a divisive thing within the Christian community. And there are Christians on the left, and there are Christians on the right, believe it or not. Yes, they're, they're all together. They, 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 they're all over the spectrum, right? Neither one of those secularly, secular ideologies encompasses authentic Christianity. I don't care if you are a secular conservative. I don't care if you are a consecutive liberal ideologically. As Christians, none of us should be able to comfortably fit into either one of those two categories. What happens? We embrace our culture over embracing Jesus. We're more influenced by culture than we are Christ. We should fit neatly. We should stand out like crazy in these environments. But we take our cultural preferences. This is what I'm talking about scripture. We take our cultural pre preferences and we, and we cherry pick that scripture and we say, aha, that's what that means. I can use this scripture to beat somebody up. I can use this scripture to back up my culturally influenced, my already preconceived and culturally influenced ideas. It's inauthentic. It's inauthentic. And it's not like Christ. I would feel a lot better if somebody gave me an amen. Thank you. <laughs> you see, we have all these weird, crazy ideas about God sometimes. Some of them are influenced by our churches. Some of us are influenced by bad theology. Some of us are influenced by, by, just, by, just, by just ignorance. And, and, I don't, and I don't mean that ugly. Ignorance is not equal stupidity. Ignorance is ignorance. It's, it's not knowing. So when we see a lot of stuff going on in the, in the Old Testament particularly, um, that seems very violent. That presents a problem, right? That'll look like Jesus. So we have to dig deeper. We have to dig deeper, but Jesus is always, always, always our starting point. Even the early disciples had to change their ideas about what God looked like. Thankfully, Jesus was there to show them that. And that's exactly what they did. The early disciples' views of God were permanently changed because Jesus became their primary way to understand God. Consequently, Scripture became all about God as they understood him through the person and through the teachings of Jesus Christ, how Jesus explained them, how Jesus modeled them. I'm not going to get into it, but, but uh, there are instances in the Gospels where Jesus corrects people's theology, where Jesus corrects people's bad, poor interpretation of Scripture. 
Some of y'all who, some of, some of my Bible scholars out here are very aware of this. They didn't look like Jesus. Let's talk about Paul for a second. You can see, uh, you can see the struggle to be faithful to Scripture and yet read it a little differently in light of Jesus all over the letters of Paul. Uh, for some of you, for y'all who, who, who may not remember, and for y'all who may not know, Paul was a Christian convert um, who, wrote majority, who wound up writing the majority of the New Testament. But he wasn't always a Christian. As a matter of fact, he, he was a very religious man, an extremely religious man. He was also a persecutor of Christians. And he also believed in a God that condoned violence. He supported the killing of Christians. There's a story in the book of Acts where he's, where he's fully supportive of this guy named Stephen that's being stoned to death. That was part of what he did. He persecuted. And he supported the killing of Christians because he had a God. Now, this is important. Because he had a God, his idea of God, his culturally influenced idea of God was cool with that. He was a violent God. And they could justify that. How did they justify that? Bad reading of Hebrew Scripture. Misinterpreting Hebrew Scripture, which we call our Old Testament today. So that's who this guy Paul is. That's the background that he's coming from. Okay? That's the background that he's coming from until he has this miraculous intersection with Jesus, interaction with Jesus, and he's converted. And his mind and his heart and his understanding of who God is what God is, what we're called to be, and how we're called to live out the gospel. Complete 180-degree turn. Complete opposite. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I mentioned uh, we went over Romans, or went through real quickly the book of Romans this last week during our Bible study. And, and I, I remember at some point or another I mentioned Romans 12. Um, this, is, this is some words that Paul writes. In the 12th chapter of Romans. He writes, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. In support of this teaching, Paul also quotes from the book of Proverbs, from the Hebrew Bible, from the Old Testament. He says, if you're, he writes, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Does that sound familiar to y'all? It's pretty much the same thing that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Pretty much almost word for word. Here's the thing about Paul. The same Hebrew Bible, that the same Old Testament, that he just quoted from, from the book of Proverbs, also contains this neat little ditty out of Deuteronomy 19.21. Show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Y'all all have heard that, eye for an eye? That's in there too. Paul is convinced, though, that God always looked like Jesus. Paul is absolutely convinced that God always looked like Jesus, so he prioritizes this scripture that reflects the revelation of who God is through Jesus. This is a guy that used to condone violence and could use his God and his understanding of scripture to condone literally murder. But Christ changed all that, and he starts seeing scripture in a different light. It's hard. I'm going to lie to you about that. This is a difficult thing to do. He doesn't get rid of Scripture. He doesn't minimize Scripture. He simply refocuses his lens 
to where Jesus has shown that it needs to be refocused. Church, you're going to struggle with this, and you should struggle with this, but I'm going to tell, tell you something. To not study, to not... Knowing what we know about God through Jesus Christ, to not seriously delve into genuine study of the Old Testament in order to, particularly the Old Testament, in order to understand it through the lens of Jesus, is being dishonest with our interpretation of Scripture. And it's also dishonoring, as far as I'm concerned, it's also dishonoring the holiness of that Scripture. If we're just going to take all of Scripture on face value, just randomly pull a verse, a sentence out of, the, out of it here and there and say, and, and try to apply it to whatever preference it is that we're trying to apply it to. That is so dishonest. That is so dishonest and so inauthentic and so dishonorable to Holy Scripture to be able to do that. So you're going to struggle with some of these things. You're going to struggle with the stories of the flood, for example. You're going to struggle with these, uh, these incidents of violence that you find in the, New, in the Old Testament. You're going to struggle in these areas, these cases, these instances where God condones killing and other things. And that's okay. You should struggle with them. You should struggle with them. And you should always approach those through the lens of Christ. First and foremost, that's your starting point. Does this look like Jesus? Not really. So I'm going to have to do some studying here. I'm going to have to do some contextual studying. I'm going to have to put some effort into this to be able to reconcile some of this stuff to what I know about God. You may figure it out. You may not figure it out. I haven't figured it all out either. But y'all, God doesn't look like God doesn't look not like Jesus. You can't separate them. Christ is always our starting. We can't put our cultural preferences, we can't put our personal preferences, our prejudicial preferences. We can't read ourselves into Scripture. Me and Tony have talked about that. Because that's what we do so oftentimes, is we take ourselves and we try to read ourselves, our, 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 what's influ our influences, the culture that's influenced me, the people that have influenced me, the politics that have influenced me, theology that's influenced me. And we, and we try to read that into Scripture instead of allowing Scripture to read itself to us. All of us are guilty of it. But all of us need to be honest about this. Because <laughs> if we take seriously the holiness of Scripture, we have an obligation to do that. So what's the outcome? What's the outcome? Imagine what a difference it would make if we started reading Scripture, interpreting Scripture, following Scripture, first and foremost through the lens of Jesus Christ. Imagine, think about Christ when he told that story of the prodigal son to a group of Pharisees, to a group of, law, of, of religious law people who were, who, were, who were giving him a hard time for, for hanging out with the wrong crowd. Imagine, that, imagine if the church today was painted that same picture that Christ painted for them in this story of the, of, the, uh, of the prodigal son, this God who is longing to embrace them, to celebrate us in whatever state we happen to be, a God who seems to love absolutely 
indiscriminately. Imagine what the church's witness could be like in the words of Christ if we strived to be perfect like our Father in heaven. That's the words of Jesus. That's not my words. Be perfect as I am perfect. It's in the Old and the New Testament, actually. How do, by, by what? By loving our enemies. By praying for those who persecute us, just as Jesus did for those who persecuted him while he was on the cross. Instead of Jesus, instead of us viewing Jesus as being the nice face of God, maybe we should take him seriously enough and believe that this is what our Heavenly Father actually looks like. Maybe then our ways will look much more like his, the one that we claim as our Savior and as our Lord. God who became flesh, made his home here on earth among his people, experiencing all of their struggles, but never, ever, ever lifting a finger against his enemies. What if that was the witness of the church today? What if our church communities that are enlivened, that are motivated by a vision of a loving God who both accommodates our shortcomings, who accommodates our failures, but also desires and works for what is best for us? What if these churches, what if our churches became places of rehabilitation, places of restoration, instead of places of judgment and self-righteousness? Because that's what happens when you have the opposite view of who God is. That's the environment that I was raised in. That's the environment that I'm accustomed to, that I was exposed to. Many of you have told me similar stories as well. If you want to know why those environments are the way they are, it's because they don't believe in the God of Scripture. That's not their conception of who God is. And I, and I feel pretty doggone safe saying that. They don't have a conception of God who looks like Jesus. Their God is something else. Maybe a little bit of Jesus thrown in with a whole lot of other stuff. Jesus first in all things. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for your, for your, for your son, Jesus Christ, who came to uh, give of himself freely to cover our sins, to reconcile us to you, but to also show us your ways, your will, your character, your essence. Give us a spirit, God, of allegiance. It's difficult, it's hard not to be influenced by all of these voices that surround us, God, but we ask for you to give us the perseverance and the ability to do that, to place our allegiance to Christ first. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.